Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Word on the Hill. I'm Father Peter, and I'm Scott Powell, and uh, we have been affectionately entitled the Langy Guys. That's true. Not infectiously titled. Infectious, infectiously. Infectious? Infectious. I've never heard of that word. Infectious disease. Is it infectious? Infectious. Infectiously, not infectiously. Uh, yeah, like, isn't there a band called, like, Infectious Grooves? Which I always thought was a pretty sweet if band. If there was, name. I'm sure that you would know it. Yeah, dude. And that's none just... of our listeners do. No, inc- no, our listeners are weirdos. I bet there are some of them that know. Yeah, we we love you. And um, oh yeah, of course. We hold do. on, you know what? Okay, so we need to do some repenting. Because oh, no. what did we do? Because the Baselli's actually listened from the beginning. They've all come up. Oh yeah, and yeah. so it's because we've shortened the beginning a little bit. Yeah, because we're do a lot of editing. Yeah, we're we're like <laughs> <laughs> of your mouth. Is that what you mean? You just what? Ed- you edit your mouth. You just edit don't talk my mouth. Yeah, yeah, you know. I cut a lot of our baloney at the beginning do you do no you? sometimes if it's really long oh yeah sometimes we sometimes, Not usually. We, sometimes we just start talking and stuff um so so we repent and we acknowledge all of the total love and there's like big there's a big baselli wedding coming this weekend man the baselli's are one of the coolest families that i know Thank and that's you. not just kissing up because because they said we insulted them by not listening Dude, my mom though, my mom uh, today she 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 like she like sent me a text. It was like for shame. Oh no! Why? Yeah, she what was like, you, "You told all the bad guys how to break into houses on how? the podcast last week." How? You did? Yeah. How? It was. I was talking about the key service where you take the picture of the key and then they like send you keys. Oh, I and think stuff. I zoned out. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I don't know how to break into my house. That's a good. That's a good. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, if you ever lose your keys, I'm taking pictures of all of them, and I'm gonna. And then I'm gonna. There was a prank. If that, I lost my keys, how would you have them? Would you steal them? Is that how I lost them? No, I mean, this is like, kind of circuitous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like if you like set them down for a second, and I just like start taking pictures of them, dude. That's what I would do. <laughs> I will tell you this: is uh, this morning it, it was like foggy and gross and nasty outside. Yeah, I liked it, and I did too. And I was like, oh, it's kind of like being in Ohio. Ohio for the rest of the year. What? I thought of England myself. <laughs> That's because I was. I mean, on. England, Ohio. I was reading scholarly books this morning. And I am um, enjoying the fog and, and sipping coffee. I know that's just beautiful. And now it's uh, now it's warm and hot. And I am yep. um, um, warm and hot. <laughs> and I just like I. I kind of it's kind of good that. Um, okay, you're just gonna cut all this out. No, I'm not. Way. No, really? it's what's kind of good. I'm not. You don't know what I cut out because you never listen to the podcast, <laughs> dude. I do. <laughs> I usually listen, you know, the way I listen to the podcast is I listen to the last five <laughs> minutes. And so, so, but like, cause I, cause if I remember the end, then I remember all the stuff. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, we do have to give some, I don't know if they're shout outs, uh, but some, some noteworthy things. We've been, um, active on the, the social networking sites. Oh. George Gehring commented on our podcast from last week he said is it just me or is the scriptuosity of this podcast episode seem particularly you could particularly you catastrophic <laughs> uh, that was awesome. or i guess it would be you catastrophic yeah you conjugated it that way yeah <laughs> which if you, you don't if you don't know if you don't know scott um we will um we we were walking around and we had the outdoor air mass <laughs> this last week uh when we had mass on fair and field um, or some have actually uh, titled it a mass on the grass. Hmm. And um, and 
one of the things that was happening is we were walking around at a certain point and there was just like all these like kind of signs that were mm. embedded in the, the, the brick and, uh. and all the conjugations were entirely off and Scott was like, I hate it when the conjugations are off. He just chose random words and chose to conjugate them differently. I know. That was the, I'm sorry, CU, but that was a poor, pretty poor showing. That's pretty Bush League, CU. Well, Minor kind of- Leagues, University of Colorado. <laughs> it was like act, relativity, generosity, <laughs> happy. I don't know. I don't know what they were, but it was it, it, it was, was just it a was, grouping of like, words. Let's group like words in, together. Integral, like. actingness, <laughs> and you're like, what? Actingness. Um, we also got a bunch of when we we put up that little picture when we were podcasting and said we're podcasting, and we got all these things that said there were people from New Zealand that commented and Canada, and Colorado and Virginia and Hotlanta and Alabama. In Virginia, it was really fun. Everyone was like, I'm listening from so and so. And a little battle broke out about whether or not we should have fewer or more puns on the podcast. Oh, Someone yeah. Someone said, Please, for the love of all things whole, for the love of God, use fewer puns this week. <laughs> and then everybody else came back and, like, but puns are fun. And people voted for more puns. Garrett Adrian said he votes for more puns, which is good. Dude, well, you know, you know what they call me in certain circles, don't you? Attila the pun. <laughs> mm, <laughs> Let's very, get it started. Very good. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. Let's get into. Let's get to business here. Business. 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 There's there's a nope, t-shirt. There's don't. a t-shirt company on the helm, and like literally up up the, uh, on on the sign it says "Open for Bidness." Bidness. B i d n e s s. Bidness. And I was like, that's a class act of a shop. I was. Yeah. I also decided to take a class called the Hollywood Musical at, at CU, and mm-hmm. and um. And uh, the professor was was talking. He's a prisoner, and he was talking about how um, <laughs> there's a certain homework like distri- distribution system, but it's I I don't I can't remember what it's called. But but he's like he's like I refuse to use it because it's named in text. He says I speak English, I speak Spanish, I speak lots of languages, but I don't speak text. What do he's you, he's how like do you spell something in text. C four C the center for community. Oh, the, the C yeah, yeah, number yeah, yeah. four. He's like. He was like it's spelled in text. It's nice. like spelled in text. He's like he's like That's I refuse true. to he's use it. Right. And no, I, I'm with him on that. One. I support him like yeah. entirely. I'm not going to support Good for the, him. Let's. Well, I don't want to stand for this. Well, hold on. I'm going to okay. actually hold on. I have to go to the bathroom. So brb. Are you got to be kidding me? This is the most editing I'll have done in weeks. <laughs> hold on. Let me pause the podcast. Let me pull over the car. I'll pull over the podcast so everybody can get out and go to the bathroom. Oh no, that was a joke. Okay, <laughs> so, well. so Scott actually thought that I wanted to go to the bathroom. I he just he just posed the question: How do you speak in text? So I just said BRB, and you totally accepted it without hesitation. Do you know you violated your own principle? Right, let's, by, get on, let's get on with the show. Okay, let's do okay. it. Now that I violated everything I believe and hold sacred, <laughs> so it's the twenty-second <laughs> Sunday in ordinary time. Our readings for this week are coming from the Book of Jeremiah, chapter twenty, verses seven through nine. That's the first reading. Dude, what announcer voice is that? Game show? The game show. Um, Here, let me see. Um, Tell her what she's won. How about a brand new Cadillac? (laughs) Won't your garage look nice with this beauty in there? Roll it on up and even your brand new lawnmower. I watched a lot of daytime TV growing up. Yeah, you did. You did. I'm going to go for movie on this one. Psalm 63. Verse 2 coming right before 3, verses 4, 5, verses 6, and 8 through 9. These strophes are going to be in your home. 
Okay. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. That no, was that was good. It was a stretch. It was a little bit of a stretch. It was good. It was good. I'm okay. just gonna go back to regular Romans chapter twelve <laughs> verses one through two is our second reading. Urge, and then um, what? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just like that I just like that word the way it looks like and and this urge is just very good. So, <laughs> um, okay. All right. So what's what's the gospel? <laughs> <laughs> what? Ah, uh, the gospel today is the direct f- continuation from last week, which is Matthew sixteen twenty-one to twenty-seven. That's my Very normal good. voice. Very good. That's you, a good normal voice. Do you you know it's really funny? Like whenever I hear myself on tape, I just think that I'm my brother. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm just I'm like Neil. Have you called it tape? Did I call it tape? Yep. Whenever you hear your voice on tape. Oh, shoot. It's all right. You you duped me. And you wished I let myself be duped. Okay. So Jeremiah, chapter 20, verse 7 through 9. You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. You were too strong for me, and you triumphed. All the day I'm an object of laughter. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I must cry out. Violence and outrage is my message. The word of the Lord has brought me derision and reproach all the day. I say to myself, I will not mention him. I will speak his name no more. But then it becomes like fire burning in my heart, imprisoned in my bones. I grow weary holding it in. I cannot endure it. Okay, a little background is necessary for the book of Jeremiah. Yeah. I know we've talked about Jeremiah before, Hold but isn't isn't Jeremiah the son of Eliakim or something? Or like like is son of Hilkiah, isn't he? No, 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 that's Shebna. Shebna Eliakim doesn't I'm stuck in last week's reading. Yeah, it doesn't go it goes it goes Shebna to Oh no. Um Jeremiah Hilkiah, has nothing to do with those guys. Hilkiah goes to Eliakim. No, you're, what? Come Are on. You about last week? Yeah. Shebna yeah. had his authority passed down to Eliakim. Yeah, and then Eliakim to Hilkiah. No, Eliakim was the son of Hilkiah. Oh, then but then who's then who's this guy? Oh, Jeremiah is the son of Hilkiah. I don't think it's the same guy though. Is it? Maybe it is. Did you see I study Is it the same guy? I don't know. It'd be kind of a you cool know, link between last I've week. I've never I've never thought it. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's the same guy. This is what happens when I study. My questions are good. I don't think it's the same guy. I don't. I don't know, know for sure, but I don't think it's the same guy. I don't really know. I don't think it's the same guy. Okay, but I don't know. But I don't think it's the same guy. Well, for, right. that's a good question for anyway, those out there. You guys do well, some is research. The same guy. Same guy. No. What do you guys think? No. Not the same guy. Okay. Um, little background though. So we've talked about Isaiah a lot. We've been on Isaiah. You complained that we were locked in Isaiah for forever. Like a year and eight and a half. So Jerem. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know who that is. It's probably your CO two cartridges. No, it's Isaiah. Oh, he's here. He's, he's here. mad that you were I, complaining I'm about him. Pause. Okay, BRB. Um, we are now. I don't. What is the what is Jeremiah. the turn term for BRB? Oh my gosh, are you serious? <laughs> um, back. IB. <laughs> I'm back. I apostrophe B. I apostrophe B. All right. So Jeremiah. Um, is a contemporary of Isaiah, so we're in the same time period-ish. But here, so Jeremiah's. Got, I, I love the history around this. It, it's really important. We haven't really talked about it in a little while, so I want to mention it. I don't know if we've ever talked about it. So Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah is essentially a collection of oracles, so warnings, um, often poetic warnings, against the holy city of Jerusalem and the people of Judah, basically to turn their ways, to turn back, and to stop being, you know, doofuses. Um, but a little, a little history. So. Jeremiah begins the book during the reign of King Josiah. Do you remember King Josiah? 
Uh, I mean, I, I know the name, but I couldn't tell you anything he did. So King Josiah, he reigned for 31 years, by the way. Um, but he was important because he was uh, understood to be one of the most righteous and, and good and holy kings in Israel's history. And Israel has a history of a lot of really, really bad kings. Oh, Josiah yeah. was really, really good. and he Some ghetto cats. <laughs> oh, the kings. The way you were looking at your mic, I thought there were some ghetto cats in there. Oh, there's some ghetto That's cats. That's why the sound is weird. That's why the sound is weird, them ghetto cats. like, <laughs> like okay. okay, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, so, uh, so he was really good, very just. He lived for 31 years. He was cut down. He was killed by uh, an Egyptian king named um, Nico in 609. But anyway... Only one of his oracles is during the time of Josiah, mainly because Josiah was very good and he was holy, but he had two really lousy sons. And Jeremiah is also a prophet during the reign of those two really, really, really terrible sons. But again, so here's, um, it's a really important historical time in history, time in history. Um, when Josiah was on the throne, okay, there was kind of a, a lull on the international scene. So remember the nation of Assyria yeah. had just recently um, taken over the northern kingdom and taken them off into exile. Assyria was now, by this time, politically on the decline, right? They were headed downhill. And Egypt and Babylon were both kind of vying and fighting for who was going to be the world's next superpower, right? So they were fighting. And they both really wanted the little strategic area that contained Judah right along the Mediterranean. They wanted Palestine because it's the thoroughfare right in between the two world's major trade routes and everything else. So they really wanted it, right? So, um, yeah, so so Josiah dies and Egypt, Egypt was soon... Uh, oh, yeah, so... well, Sorry, I, I took a bunch of notes on this. Um, yeah, so here's the thing. Um, Egypt and Babylon, after Assyria goes down, are fighting over who's going to have control of this land. And so Israel essentially becomes this little political football being tossed back and forth between the two. Uh, and they're just because yeah. they're not very powerful, but they're being fought over constantly. And so the kings that come after Josiah, one of their problems is that the kings repeatedly go to the Egyptians for help, both militarily and economically. They're like, we want to be your allies. We want your help. You know, we want to be good friends. Number one, that's a problem because Egypt was the nation that enslaved them for 400 years. But it's also, you know, they were supposed to trust God. So eventually, does that make sense? So they're always seeking political power. And that's what a lot of the prophets are warning them against. Stop putting your trust in Egypt. That's dumb. Number one, because they enslaved you. Number two, because you should be trusting in God. Yeah, we, I mean, we hear about this in the Psalms, you know, putting yeah, your trust exactly. in horses and people. You cursed are you if you do it. So that's one problem. There's a spiritual problem, but then there's a very political problem. Because soon after this, Egypt is utterly defeated by Babylon. And they're wiped out, basically. They're off the running for being the next superpower. So Babylon's in control. Nebuchadnezzar takes power, and he becomes incredibly powerful. Yeah. So he looks around, and he knows that Israel has now been trying as hard as they could to be best political friends and allies with Egypt, their worst enemy, who they've just conquered. So how do you think the newly powerful Babylon is going to look on Jerusalem? Basically, to quash them. I mean, they're yeah. going to want to yeah. have they're they're going to want to have to deal with them politically because yeah. they've been so oppositional. So yeah, so, so, so Jeremiah well, they is actually, perceive it as treason. They literally are like, "You have been treasonous because we are the power. We are in control. You've committed treason against us by turning to Egypt." Now, <laughs> spiritually, they should have known from the beginning that was a bad idea, just on a spiritual level. But spiritual problems have temporal consequences, right? Yep. So this is the temporal consequence. So what Jeremiah now into this steps Jeremiah. This is a no-win political situation, right? They're going to get taken over. They're going to get conquered by 
by Babylon, who is, I mean, they just defeated Egypt for Pete's sake. And we were begging, Jerusalem was begging Egypt for help. So Jerusalem stands no chance. So Jeremiah, and, and we do know that they eventually will be destroyed. So Jeremiah's task, and I want you to keep the first reading in mind in this. Okay. Jeremiah's task. Do you remember Jeremiah's final major message to Judah? It wasn't where he like took his underwear and put it into the <laughs> rock, was it? No, that all happens. <laughs> but what's the what's the what's the message he gives? So the temple's gonna be starts, destroyed. Well, he starts with turn around, turn back, repent, turn back to God, or this will happen. But by the time the the handwriting's on the wall. He's saying, yes, the temple's going to be destroyed, so what should you do about it? Do you remember what his message is? Flee to the hills? Mm-mm. Die with the temple? No. He basically says, give in, go to Babylon, put your heads down, humble yourself, and just give up. And if you do that, because you shouldn't be here in the first place, you put yourself here. This is not God's battle. You made bad decisions. You put your trust in other things. This is where your trust that you put in Egypt has gotten you. So now, you know what? The only thing you can do is just put your head down and take it. And if you do that, God says it will go better for you. If you fight, they're going to utterly destroy you because they're so much more powerful than you. So just put your head down and just take the beating. (laughs) And if you do that, there's going to be mercy. Dude, no. God will look upon you. You have to admit that you've been wrong and just take it. Don't fight back, which is a really... I mean, just imagine being the prophet who's called to go and say, hey, don't fight back against your worst enemy who's about to attack you. And take you off into exile and, and take everything you that you exile. care about and all the houses you built by your hand and everything. Well, see, that's where I wonder about something, because what does Israel not do? Fight back. They do fight back. Oh, they do? They don't take it. Oh. They don't do what Jeremiah says. They fight. And what happens? Then they're hauled off into exile, and everything is destroyed, and the temple's obliterated. I wonder... What would happen if they actually took Jeremiah's, I don't want to say advice, but if they actually followed the prophecy, followed what they were supposed to do? They didn't. They ignored it. The kings were terrible. They decided, some kings either decided to flight, f- fight, and th- their last sitting king, Zedekiah, I believe was his name, he decided to flee. He took off. He escaped out of the palace, and the Babylonians caught him on the fields of Jericho and s- slaughtered him, and then took his sons into exile. They actually slaughtered him in the exact same place that jo- that jo- Gemini? <laughs> no, not Gemini. <laughs> that Joshua first began to reclaim the promised land. Oh. The last king is is cut down in exactly the same place and loses the promised land, precisely where Joshua was victorious and gained the promised land. So the whole thing has come full circle. So into that, so I bring up all that history, which I think is really interesting because it gives you a little more insight into why Jeremiah says what he's saying, right? Yeah. God, you duped me. <laughs> like, you called me to be a prophet. I thought that was really exciting. You, I don't know if you ever watch VeggieTales. Uh, very occasionally. Did you see the one about Jonah? No. It was really good. It's like a full-length movie. But Jonah, some of you guys are parents. I'm sure you've seen this. But Jonah was a prophet. Ooh, ooh, but he really never got it. Sam, but true. It's from the movie. Anyway, he was a prophet, and he thought it was being a prophet was the coolest thing in the world because everybody loved him. Everyone kind of waited for his message. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of power. It was a good gig. Yeah. And then God told him to go do something he didn't want to do. So there was this understanding, like I'm a prophet. This is this is the power I have. People have to listen to me. But then God told him to do something hard. And I wonder when Jeremiah says, "I you duped me," and I, I mean, the word literally is is closer to you seduced me. And I let myself be seduced. Like you said, I'm going to be a prophet. I had these particular visions in my head of what that looked like, what that meant. Oh, I'd be in the courts of the kings. I'd be powerful. People would have to listen to me. 
you know, so I wanted it, but look at where it got me. He says, whenever I speak, I must cry out violence and outrage is my message. Why? Because he's saying, look, you're going to get destroyed by Babylon and God's going to allow it. He's like, that's my message. That's what I have to say to people. There's violence and outrage. The word of the Lord has brought me derision and reproach. Reproach. People want to kill him constantly. He says, that's where Jesus actually gets his line, the temple has become a den of robbers and thieves. He's quoting Jeremiah. Uh-huh. Everybody hates Jeremiah. Everybody hates his message. And the message, frankly, it's really hard. It's not just repent and turn back to God. It's, look, it's too late for that. Now just take your beating take your punishment well even even early on in jeremiah's life didn't his his prophecy i mean like he had to do really existential good existential things i mean like he married a harlot and no that wasn't him that was hosea oh that was hosea a lot of the prophets with all your heart okay but then here's the kicker of it he says at the end i say to myself i will not mention him i will speak his name no more i don't want this gig anymore i don't want this job yeah but Then it becomes like fire burning in my heart, imprisoned in my bones. I grow weary holding it in. I cannot endure it. I don't want to be God's prophet. I don't want to do this job, but there's something within me that has to because God's fire is burning within me and I can't ignore it. Even though it stinks to actually have to go and do what God is asking me to do, I can't avoid it because it's built into who I am. It's burning in my heart. This is the tension I think that the Christian is always called to live in. Absolutely. Well, because the the thing is, is that you have two things. You can either A, suffer avoiding the Lord's will, mm. or B, suffer, suffer doing, doing the, the Lord's, Lord's will. will. Yep. That's it. I mean, the, that's that, it. you are in a binary choice. You are going to suffer. And yep. like, that's really where like he, he and, and so he's kind of demonstrating to us like, gosh, he has a particular like election vocation mission. I mean, yep. like he has a particular mission to do this thing that he doesn't like the mission. Yeah, no, um, and nor should he. I mean, it, I don't. I don't blame him. Every once in a while, like I'll pick up like uh, Soldier of Fortune magazine. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what's up, BA Baracus? <laughs> Dude, BA Baracus. <laughs> oh my gosh, did you just go there? Yeah, you better believe it. Now did. we're talking, but like, you pick it up, and, and like, it's it's really fun to think <laughs> about the gear of being like the Soldier of Fortune with all your laser scopes and everything. But like, but then you 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 like consider like. The mission that that people have to undertake as a soldier, I think that that is actually more akin. It's terrible. It's dangerous. It's lonely. It's isolating. It's uh, fraught with um, emergency. And, like, that's actually really where, like, the prophet is way more akin to the soldier than anything else. And that's, that's like, why why you could see in this moment of darkness, like, he's writing it down or speaking it. And he's like, you duped me. But at the same time, he's having real clarity. He's really suffering, but he's really choosing it again. Yeah, this is actually flowing from a place of saying, "Yeah, yeah, no, I'm in." Like, yeah. and that's yeah. actually really, and that's that's why what you're saying about the the, the Christian, we are always in that. Yeah, we're right. always in that, or we're missing it, or yeah, we're, 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 or we're missing the point if we're not. I'm not missing the point. No, because you're trying you're, to say something about me. You just. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Psalm 62, I think, is a great segue. Oh, no, I studied the wrong psalm. Yes, you. Oh, no, well, Psalm 62 would have been a great segue. <laughs> Let me just tell you that. Dude, well, hey. Oh, my. Well, uh, Psalm 63. Okay. Um, okay. You are my God uh, oh. for whom I seek. My flesh pines. My soul thirsts like urch. Urch. Parched. Urch. Lifeless and without water. But even that even that response, well, my soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, my God. I mean... What Jer- I, it speaks to what Jeremiah is saying. I, I hate this job. I hate that everyone wants to kill me and I'm held in derision and all these things. But 
there's this thirsting for you. So if you were to read this psalm in relation to what Jeremiah just said, this, my soul is thirsting for you, it's not the, you know, the little poetic, someone's just walking in a nice field and meadow and, oh, my soul thirsts for you. No, I'm called to do the hardest job on earth where everyone hates me. But there is this thirst that cannot be quenched with anything but you. Even if it costs me my life, I still thirst for that. I mean, you know what? You want to read this the psalm on the surface level and think of somebody, you know, running their hands through the wheat and thinking <laughs> how nice it is that my soul is thirsty for this peace and this wonderfulness. But no, he's saying, no, I, everyone wants to kill me, but yet I have a thirst for what drives me to this mission. I need you. I can't be satisfied by anything else, even if it leads me to my death. Sir, that changes me, the yeah, whole thing, yeah. doesn't it? Sir, give me this water always. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I will bless you while I live. Lifting up my hands, I call upon your name. I will bless you while I live. If I die, then I'll die hopefully in you, you know? But it, it speaks, I can see Jeremiah saying this. Yep. To your power and glory, your kindness is greater good than life. My lips shall glorify you. There's nothing they can do to the Christian. There's nothing they can do to us. There's nothing the world can do to us because in him is the source of all life. And we look for a resurrection of the dead. Jeremiah didn't know that yet, but he still clung to it in faith, even to what he could not see. Yes. Which is just beautiful. Which is a, a moment that I have an urge to move on to the next reading. Ah! Ah! U-R-G-E, urge. <laughs> I yeah. I just like the way that those all those letters fit together. I want to call my band that. I don't have a band. You don't have a band, but if you did, yeah, then so I would have brothers. This and is then toward I'd have the, a band of brothers, and you would have a band of brothers. That's good. Yeah. So this is toward the tail end of Romans. So remember, we've been talking the last couple weeks about Romans nine through eleven, which is Paul's um response to what about our Jewish brothers and sisters? What happened to so many of them? How come they didn't accept the Messiah? And he goes through this whole thing about his own grief and how he wishes he himself were given up for the sake of them and all this thing. And he sort of moves on in chapter 12. Something new begins now. And so he says he's beginning to get in the last chapters to his practical advice to his audience. He's gone through his theology, and this is what it means that you live where you live. Now what should you do about it? Well, he begins by saying, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Actually, it says, uh, I believe in the Greek, it says, by the renewal of your cardia, which is your heart. Um, if you had a cardiologist. No, it's never mind. It's in the beginning. Now, that This is mind. In the beginning, it says your their senseless hearts were darkened, their senseless minds. Anyway, um, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. Two things here. Number one, just like Jeremiah, the Roman church is either just beginning or just about to begin to be thrown in the persecutions of Nero. When Nero, the emperor Nero, will launch one of the bloodiest persecutions of Christians the world had seen. And Paul's beginning to say, either you're, you're either in the middle of it or you're about to begin that. But please be like Jeremiah. It's going to get hard. It's going to get ugly. And I hope that that deep thirst never leaves you. And if you have to present your bodies as a sacrifice, so be it. Because what, you would, what you're hoping to attain is far greater than that. But he's also, I think, going back to the very beginning of Romans. In the beginning of Romans, there was this whole kind of diatribe against idolatry. And he is, so, you know, the problem in the book of, of Romans, in the city of Rome, in the church, is there's these Jewish Christians and these Gentile Christians who are kind of at battle with each other about who's better, who, 
you know, whose fault the recent troubles were, all, all sorts of things. And Paul begins the letter by leveling the playing field and saying, look, you guys both stink. You know, you <laughs> Gentiles, you were just a couple of weeks ago worshiping stones and rocks and wood carved into owls and kitty cats and stuff. He's like, that's dumb. <laughs> and you, all the Jewish people were probably laughing. And he's like, oh, by the way, remember that whole golden calf thing where you did the exact same thing? Look, you guys are all a total disaster. Ooh. We're all <laughs> right. But he does that. He basically lays out, look, you've all fallen into idolatry. You've all darkened your senseless minds and your hearts, and you've worshipped things that were just creations, that were stuff that came from the living God. Now he comes kind of back to that theme at the end of the letter. He say, okay, don't give yourselves to idols. Give yourselves to God. As his image, as his icon, give mm. yourselves back. Yeah. Don't not like these this idolatry, but offer your bodies as the living sacrifice. Don't offer sacrifice two pieces of wood. Offer yourselves as sacrifice, because that's what it means to be conformed to the will of God, to be conformed to Jesus, and that's precisely what Jeremiah was doing. And well, this passage gives flesh and gives new theological insight into what Jeremiah was actually doing. He yeah. might not have realized that he was a sacrifice in a certain sense, but he was. Well, and this is the thing is... Should I that, cut you off again? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, would you, would you, you, no, no, go ahead. But this is the thing about, like, the uh, like. there's the typical uh, Catholic term, offer it up. Uh. And, and, and... <laughs> Um, which is which is a terrible if you ever have somebody who's suffering and they're like and you offer it up, offer it up. But what's yeah. but but what Paul's getting at is is kind of what the same spirit of trying to say offer it up is is like saying, no Lord, I'm gonna actually let you use whatever this is for your glory to be demonstrated. Yeah. So so offering your your body as a living sacrifice means that. Even if my body is destroyed, I'm going to trust in the fact that this will give glory to God. And in, and even in the midst of the suffering, that's why like that's why everybody like uh, wasn't listening to Jeremiah. They're not gonna they're gonna say, right. oh, I'm supposed to just take this, right? Dude, we are Israel, and he's saying, no, trust that this is actually gonna be yes. a demonstration of the glory of God. Yeah, that's and, it. And and that's really where Saint Paul is urging the same thing. Um, and and that that like what's even what's worse than I mean, getting pulled into exile is one thing. And just mm. taking it, being killed willingly is the next level, mm. and and that's actually where the prophetic demonstration, the truth of what the the reality and the destiny of humanity is, yep. is is like brought to a very poignant and kind of difficult existential moment. Like, Absolutely. dude, you got to really trust. Yeah. You've got to be all in to say, "Yep, my destiny is such that you can take this lowly." Funky body of mine. Funk. My exalted and tremendous and awesome body. Mm, which is a little funky. Yeah. That's just because I've been working today. Yeah, absolutely, man. So we bring ourselves here to the gospel. To the gospel. To the gospel. Which, like you said, is the exact continuation of where we just were in Matthew. Right? Yeah. So yeah. The giving of the keys, that the, whole thing. Yeah. So Jesus the gives. Papacy. Jesus gives the keys to Peter, says, bind on earth, bound in heaven, mm-hmm. loosed on earth, loosed in heaven. Um, and then um, and then the demarcation line comes yes. in, which says, from this time forward, Jesus began to show his disciples that he which, must go to Jerusalem. I'm a little bummed out that this this reading takes out that line from that time forward. Yes. Because there is a it is a line of demarcation. It says, now... Jesus has established a, actually a hierarchical church. He's established a structure. He did it on a bonehead, but he has established a structure and a reality that will be visible to the world. From that time, 
he began to make his way to the cross. Because well, now he's done what he set out to do, which is found a church. Well, what's really cool is if you look in the gospel, this is the first time it, Jesus is called Jesus Christ. Is it? He's called Jesus up until Peter proclaims him as Christ. And now oh, he's actually... Really? Yeah. Now the term is Jesus Christ from that time forward. Interesting. Um, I was I was reading the interlinear, which I think is just really just beautiful. And I was like looking at the Greek and I was like, oh, what? my gosh. Yeah, of course. Because what happens is Jesus now is king. Wow. He says, don't tell anybody, but yeah. G- but but Matthew wow. takes takes this up. And so Good old Matthew. since Jesus is king, he has his prime minister. Yeah, exactly. And the Albait. The Albait. And so Peter is like taking this up. And like mm-hmm. like if somebody gives you real authority, you're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try. I'm gonna like exercise it. Well, and Peter got authority because he did do something pretty profound. I mean, he he said something that no one else has had either the guts or the knowledge or the wisdom or the spiritual insight to say. He is the Christ. You are the king. Somebody finally said it. It's a big deal. Yeah. So from that time of that happening, Jesus began to show his disciples what kind of king he was going to be, right? That Which he must... he's going to follow after Jeremiah's example. Exactly right. And he's going to quote Jeremiah. Jeremiah is, is so key to understanding the mission of Jesus because, frankly, what Jesus says once he gets to the temple in Jerusalem is, look, this temple's going down. It's no longer the place of worship. You guys have nationalized it. You've made it a a wall to keep people out of the faith. You've done exactly what it was intended not to do. So it's unnecessary. It's obsolete. You only need one temple and he is me. And so it's not this if then. If then, you know, if you clean up your act, then you'll get to keep your nice little temple. No, this temple's done. You don't need it anymore. It's obsolete and it's leading you into sin. Look to me and me alone. But it's not an if then, right? Does that yeah. make sense? Just yeah. like Jeremiah. He says, no, it's coming. It's done. And that's exactly what Jesus is going to say. So he began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed on the third day and raised. And Peter, the good old prime minister, took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him. I think that's really profound because the only other times, well, do you know this? What, what's the only other place where Peter uses the word rebuke? I have. I mean, I have, don't know. There's only one context in which he uses that word, and it's what Jesus does to demons or Satan. Jesus rebukes demons, so you don't want to see that word used. <laughs> Pointed to Jesus. Yeah, so it's a pretty big deal. That's not good when Jesus calls you Satan. Satan. Which Satan. The, the meaning of Satan just means the one who opposes or something. I can't remember what Satan actually means. Um, Shit. it's one of those things that I, I want to Man. encourage you guys to, <laughs> to look up, uh, to look up Satan. That's not really what I'm trying to say. Um, but like a Satana, isn't that what the one who opposes, um, probably it's, it's kind of like Katana, but it's Satana. I don't know. Right. Um, um because, because normally we think of Satan as like the little red guy with horns yeah, and an adversary to show enmity to, to oppose or to plot against. Yeah, that's the that's the etymology. Satanas, you're right. Yeah. In the Greek, set, Satanas. Satanas, yeah. Indeed. But dude, that's um, that's horrible because well, his first act is really yeah. essentially just totally shot down, which yeah. like um, I, I, you talked to Ty, who he he's a glider pilot instructor, and he's like, he's like you got to teach people right the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Like what? teach him right, teach him right the first time, and that's where it's like, like in a certain sense, Jesus, like his immediate teaching to Peter, 
about what the nature of suffering is and the nature of of what does it actually look like to be the albayit to be yeah. this to be this prime minister the steward yeah um is to is to say no you actually are going to have to embrace the suffering and that that's going to be you're going to see this as peter's a crux as he's walking along through the gospel for the rest of the time, even because when he's in in the um, in the courtyard, um, in all of these things, he's struggling because like how do you accept that? Well, the beauty though is that we know the end of the story, and we know that eventually what, Peter what will, is it? Peter gets crucified upside down. Remember oh, yeah. because I he know, I was just joking. I know, I was but he understands suffering. He's like I'm not even worthy to suffer in the exact same way as my Lord. So crucify me upside down. But he takes it and he gets it. And you know what I mean? There's there's hope in this. You look at him and you're like, oh man, what a bonehead. But then you also know that eventually he gets it. This sinks in. The spirit comes to life in him. And it, it, I don't know, it's just good to know the end. One thing I... Yeah, it takes him twice as long, but it goes twice as deep. That's true. Oh, very good. That's how Peter's work. That's right. Presumably, I don't know. One interesting thing about this, when he says, get behind me, Satan, you are an obstacle to me. Do you see that? Yeah. Are you reading a different translation? Uh, you are an obstacle to me. It says uh, obstacle. Yeah. So the Greek term um, is closer to the Greek word for obstacle actually means um, more like a stumbling block or literally a stumbling stone, a little stone that you would stumble over, which is ironic because Peter just or Jesus just called Peter the rock. And so I think he uses this term, a little stumbling stone that you trip over. Yes. As a direct. Sukandalon. Sukandalon. An offense is what this one trans- translated as. What do you have? What do you got? This is an interlinear. Well, um, it's wrong. Oh, well. Oh, interlinear, you have betrayed me. I mean, that that is true. That's what it, that's what it does. It's, it's, if it offends you. You are. An obstacle to me. I am monon sunkandalon. Because thou thinkest not the things of God, but the things of men. Right. But I do think Matthew uses that, or Jesus uses that word in direct opposition to the rock that he's become. Now you're an offensive little stone. Oh. Oh. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you're a rock, but now you is now nothing but something in my way, bro. Yeah, basically. But it, and the difference in Mary, I'm quoting Mary. He, no, this is this is Ted Shree and Curtis Mitch. But they point out that the, the difference is um, grace versus nature, right? With grace, Peter is actually able to say this profound thing and be rock. Oh. Left to his own human nature, he's just a little stumbling stone. Which is, I, I just think it's a good ecclesial reality, right? We're all just little, we all have our own, I don't know, everybody in the church, you know, our leadership, the Pope, you, we're just humans where we do it's our true. best, but with divine grace, we can do supernatural things. We yes. can, we can actually do the things that God wants us to do, which is what Jeremiah actually has a taste of. He doesn't have the sanctifying grace in the, in the sacramental way with baptism, but he has he does have a, a, a real grace that's been given to him to do the humanly impossible because it's not really possible. Um, but God gave him this burn. The, the, I think the burning heart that he has is actually grace actively working. That's actually enabling him to do what he's supposed to do, even though he wants to, you know, go back in maybe terms of Peter and say, no, this is dumb. Lord, this is a bad idea. <laughs> just, you know, I, I don't know. The suffering's a bad idea. You really want us to just put our heads down and let Babylon take us. 
that's ridiculous. Never. It's never going to happen. He's never going to take the holy people. And Jesus says, no, he's even going to take me. The evil one will take me away. But you know what? I'm going to put my head down and I will accept it because the good that will come out of me suffering is far greater than fighting against the Romans. And that's what Jeremiah is trying to tell Israel. The good that will come out of your suffering for the sake of sin is far greater than the good of you fighting against Babylon and losing this battle miserably. Does that make sense? Man, the parallel boy, it is, does. is pretty amazing. Well, and that's why Jesus says, "Unless you, if you want to be my disciple, then then you got to do this." Then you got to do this. That's absolutely right. So, really, what you're getting in the time of Jeremiah is a foreshadowing of precisely what Christ and the Christian who follows him is supposed to do. Right? Yeah. Because we're called to be people who die for our faith, not who kill for our faith, and that's a pretty profound reality and a very difficult one and a humanly illogical one. Yeah. It just is. But yeah. that's where divine grace comes in. That's why I decided not to buy a handgun. That's it's <laughs> probably for the best, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, like, dude, it's better to be killed than to kill. Mm, that's true. Well, now that then you get into the, you know, there's some difficulties. I have a family. I have children. I actually have a duty uh, then oh, to I, protect. But yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, so you I, get into I, the nuances of yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm talking about no, as a no, cleric. I yeah, oh, yeah, I know, yeah. I know, I know. I know you are. But just to clarify, these questions coming yeah. up in their heads. Yeah. And, and that's, gosh, this is really beautiful. And so like, but, but I find this pastorally, it's it's kind of like this things that we've suffered and the things that we've actually encountered, letting the things that we have actually suffered in after they've actually happened are, is sometimes the same experience to where if you're just fighting, I'm not going to feel this. I'm not going to go through this. I'm not going to like, look at this. I'm not going to experience this. Like that, mm. that fight itself um, it, it is as actually part of, it's like exhausting is all get out, but yeah. it's, it's actually, it's the cross to say, no, actually I'm going to allow this and I'm going to allow God to be in this. Yes. Like I'm going to like, cause, cause if I just fight and I say, God is not in this, God is, why did he abandon me? Why did he do that? Like yes. that spirit can be so exhausting and difficult. You, you're going to mm. still have to go through the experience of that and to yeah. even let that question in. But it's to say, okay, no, I'm going to take whatever this is. I'm going to ride this and I'm going to ask God to be in it. And, yeah. And it's there. That's, that's the cross that most of us face. That's it. I think that's absolutely right. Which well, is hard. Mm-hmm. Our times are coming. Well, y'all, dude, that was a good podcast. That Thank was a you. Good podcast, Father Peter. Thank you. You're um, you're smart. You're smart as well and holy. Hey, you know what? I uh. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> I'm, Anytime. I'm very, I'm very humble too. That's key. <laughs> oh, uh, well, my name is Peter. Oh yeah, that's key. Uh, get key, behind key. me. Oh. Oh, key. Get it. I, I just yeah. got it. No, See, no. remember we were talking about the keys last I week? I got it. And then I'm my mom up. told me that the thing or whatever. Right. Oh, that's why we were talking about the thing. Yeah. And the keys oh, and the, I, the whole kit and caboodle. It all ties together now. Well, y'all, I uh, wish you the best in uh, the production of your musical. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> and uh, it, uh, <laughs> or your Westerner. If that's the kind of movie you're making, I'm right sure now. it is for most of you. Please let us know if you're a Hollywood producer okay. or just like a in, small independent producer. Let us know about. We or, want to hear about that. Or a producer of uh, infomercials. Hey, just like Anything. my my just friend. Let us know. Just infomercial. <laughs> let us know what you got. Hey, dude, I want to be on an infomercial. Remember that slap chop dude? I do. He was pretty cool. I don't know what you're talking about, but we have to go. 
because my battery's about to die. Bye, battery. You guys are awesome. Send us an email. Find us on Facebook. Like Don't you guys the at thomascenter.org. Um, also like our parent page, the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought, where you can find lectures and debates and classes and articles to enrich your faith every day. Articules. So, anyway, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. You guys are the best. But Peter, you're the best. You're the best, Scott. No, you're the best, Bob. Oh, you're the no, best. You're the best. Thank you. What's my name? All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.